open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I heard the announcement that uh, Pastor is going to be doing a, a, a series, uh, I don't know, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, probably both. And so if I say anything and later on he says something else, you listen to him, he's your pastor. But uh, I think I'm, a, I'm on firm ground tonight. And uh, good to be here. And uh, always good to be here. Well, I really uh, uh, enjoy uh, coming here and preaching. And, uh, you know, your pastor has to work a little bit on his delivery when he talks to me on the phone. He called me up this morning and let me know he wasn't going to be able to make it. And I told him I'd heard his father had been ill. And we talked a bit about that. And he said... Yeah, I was going to get so, and he's calling out names I don't know, but he says, I was going to get so-and-so, but he's not feeling well, and this other guy can't make it. And come to find out, you know, on the batting order, I'm a little bit further at the bottom. So if there's any jobs that you don't really want to do, and you can't get anyone else to do them, I'm available. So uh, anyway, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, just going to read three verses tonight. We'll begin reading in verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The title of my message this evening is Taking a Look Back. Taking a Look Back. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray as we look into Scripture that we'll examine these three verses, we'll consider what you have to say to us, and I pray that our hearts will be open to your instruction. I pray that uh, we would... Uh, assess where we are in life. We would evaluate uh, the path that we're on and uh, where we're headed and where we will be someday if we continue on our present track. If changes are necessary, if adjustments to the journey need to be made, I pray that you would show us where those changes need to be made and that we would have the courage to do so. And I pray that you would fill me with your spirit this evening, Lord. I thank you for this church. I thank you for Pastor Schott. I pray for uh, his family now, even as they travel, and for uh, his father, whom he just uh, uh, left, uh, that you would uh, restore his health. And I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Where are you in life? That's kind of an open-ended question. Some of you are younger, some of you are older, some of you are uh, working jobs you like, some of you are working jobs you don't necessarily like, but everybody is somewhere in life, and uh, none of us know exactly how long we're going to live. In fact, uh, when I was talking to Pastor Schott this morning, he talked about his father and, and uh, said his father was doing some better, but he said he's, he's, I believe he said he's 82 years old, and he said he's on borrowed time. Well, let me ask you a question. Who among us is not on borrowed time? Now, some of us are going to have more time than others, but we're all on borrowed time. The mortality rate is 100%. No one gets out of here alive. I, I don't mean in this service. I, I preach long sometimes, but I'm not <laughs> preaching that long tonight. But where are you in life? 
Now, with that thought in mind, spiritually speaking, where are you in life? If you continue at your present rate of Christianity, I'll let you define that for yourself, will you be where you want to be when you die, assuming you live an average lifespan? Now, some of you already exceeded average, but I like what... uh, Brother Souza preached Sunday night, it's never too late. And uh, it's never too late to get right with God, no matter how much time you have left. But uh, where are you spiritually and where are you going to be if you continue on your present rate? These are important questions, and I think it's important because, again, I hopefully you haven't missed this, but this is the second day of the year. This is that time of year, what is everybody doing? They're, they're making resolutions, right? And... Uh, some of you, it's day two and you're already off your diet. Don't tell me otherwise, I know better. But it's a time where oftentimes we look back. And we look back at, where, we look back at the year that just ended. Uh, we look back on our lives and we, this is that, kind of, uh, that, that time of the year where we make evaluations. And, and I think it's good. Uh, we should be able to spiritually do what we often do with our finances. You think about this, uh, uh, someone's a, a, a young person, he or she graduates high school, they, they go off and get some training, whether it's a university degree or, or going in the military or a tech school or whatever it is, and, and when they finally get settled down somewhere, their training's done and they're working a, a career, uh, they sit down and they say, well, I've got about 40 years to work, I'll get, I, I would gather, uh, if, uh, if I live a normal lifespan, and I'm going to need a certain amount to retire, and if I'm going to work a certain period of time, and I'm going to need a certain amount to retire, I need to save this amount and make these investments, and hopefully the investment grows some and all that. But they sit down and they do the math. They run the numbers. And uh, every so often, at regular intervals, they'll stop and they'll evaluate, and they'll say, where am I compared to where I thought I was going to be and where I need to be? You know, I said that by this time in my life, I'd have so much saved up and I'd have so much in maybe a 401k or some investment program. And am I there? Do I need to contribute more? Do I need to save more? And we we make those evaluations. In a very similar way, we should be preparing our earthly lives for that time when we will meet our righteous judge, Jesus Christ. And at regular intervals, we need to take a spiritual inventory. We need to audit the books. Are we where we need to be? So we need to, we don't live in the past, but we do have to take a look back. Where have we made mistakes? Where have we experienced success? And and what can we learn from both the failures and the successes? You are a, let me say this, you are a fool if you live in either one. If you live in past successes, you're going to be complacent, and you're not going to strive for more. If you live in past failures, you're going to be defeated all the time. I believe that's why the Apostle Paul said he was always looking ahead. He knew that God had apprehended him for a reason. To apprehend means to to grab hold. He said, God grabbed hold of me for a reason, and now I am trying to grab hold of that purpose. And he said, "I, I, I reach forward. I stretch for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what we ought to always be doing. But Again, you're never going to know where you are 
and you're never going to know your progress unless you know where you want to be. And so in our text here, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to Timothy. Timothy was his protege, his intern, if you will, uh, his helper in the ministry. And uh, this is not just any letter. This is the last letter that the Apostle Paul would write. He knew that he would die soon at the hands of the Roman Emperor Nero. We opened up our our text in verse 6, and he says, For I am now ready to be offered. You think about all the Old Testament offerings, and they would, they would bring some animal, and it would uh, uh, be uh, killed there at the uh, brazen altar, the you know, altar of burnt offering, and, and whoever was bringing it, they were bringing that offering. Well, the Apostle Paul said in Romans that, uh, that our body should be a living sacrifice. And now he's saying, once and for all, I'm going to make an offering. And, and, and that offering is my life. He said, I am ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand, near. And uh, his, his departure, of course, he's referring to there is his death. And he is conducting one final personal inventory. And looking back on his life, he's able to tell Timothy, Timothy, I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm exactly where I need to be. You know, many people make the mistake of ne- never planning for their future. If we, again, were to use the financial illustration, there are people that work without regard to uh, their impending retirement. They, they work as if they're always going to be in good health and, and, and full strength. And uh, in a sort of a hypothetical or theoretical way, they know what's coming, but it seems a long way off. And one day, they're no longer able to work, and they don't have any money saved, and they're unprepared, and they live very uh, poor lives below the standard that they're accustomed to. Again, similarly, Christians live as if death is never going to come. We live as if we have forever. We go about our personal business, and many people never consider that one day they will stand before God. The saved will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, the unsaved at the great white throne. But every one of us someday will face God. And many people, they, many Christians, live their lives as if they have forever to serve the Lord, and they say, another time, a more convenient time, I'll, I'll I, you know, I know I'm saved, I like my church, I like my pastor, I like my fellow church members, I know I should be doing more, but not right now, I'm busy. And they get to the end of their lives and they haven't served the Lord, they're perhaps physically limited and unable to serve the Lord and they regret their decision to put off service for Christ. And they see the folly of the notion that they had plenty of time. And so by taking a personal inventory of our lives, we confront ourselves with the reality that we have a very limited time in which to serve the Lord. And by taking a personal inventory, we're forced to address those weak areas in our Christian walk. And if we're really honest with ourselves and we're honest before God, we know what they are. And I'm not here to point the finger at you and tell you, well, I tell you, you're this and you're this and you're that. No, you know what the weak areas are. By taking a personal inventory, we're able to see whether or not we're on our way to pleasing God with our lives. And uh, we can look at 
relationship issues and service issues and worship issues and, and, and uh, let's call it the different facets of, of serving the Lord. And, you know, the, the end of one year and the beginning of another provides us with that opportunity to look back on our lives and to reflect upon what we've done right and what we've done wrong. And so the challenge this evening is that as Christians, we must take a personal inventory of our lives. You say, how can I do that? How can I, where do I start? If I'm gonna take a personal inventory, where do I start? Here, here's a good place to start. By thoughtfully selecting biblical goals. You gotta have some biblical goals. Yeah, you know, everybody tells you have a goal and you write it down and all that. Well, our goals, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not against writing down goals, but our goals are written down for us. In fact, the, the apostle Paul says in verse eight, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto also, or excuse me, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Man, that's a great goal to have. What do you want as your goal? You know what? When, when I stand before the righteous judge, I want a crown of righteousness. That's a good goal to have. And Paul says, hey, you don't have to be a pioneer missionary living in the first century A.D. to make that happen. All you have to do is love the Lord's appearing. You know, uh, taking a personal inventory requires a context. In order to understand where we are, we need to understand where we're headed. If, uh, <clears throat> if I said to you that uh, it was 27 miles from my house to here, that's a good place to start. If I said, well, I started in Manchester, Connecticut, and now I'm in Canton, you'd say, well, you're almost here. If, uh, if I said, uh, I'm in Manchester, Connecticut, but I, or I started in Manchester, but I'm in East Hartford, you'd say, well, you've got a little ways to go. And, and that determination of whether you're almost here or you've got a little ways to go is predicated on knowing where you're started and knowing where you're ending. If I'm not going to this church, but I'm going all the way cross country and I say, hey, I'm in Canton, Connecticut. You got a long way to go. See, it all depends on where your final destination is. And uh, Paul has, for all practical purposes, this side of glory, he has reached his final destination. He said, I'm ready. There's a crown of life waiting for me. That's, all, that's what I've been serving for. I'm where I want to be. The end result of Paul's life is that he will receive rewards from Jesus Christ. Paul's ready to depart this life for the next because he accomplished for the Lord what the Lord intended for him to accomplish. In order for Paul to get to this place, he had to know where he was headed. And uh, this is usually described as knowing the will of God. Now, according to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, every saved person is called of God to carry out a life's work. Do you know that? The call of God is not limited <clears throat> to pastors uh, or missionaries uh, or, or associates in the church, or those who are receiving their salary from the church. Every Christian has the call of God on his life. God has something he wants you to do. I don't know the particulars of God's call on your life, but I know, that, I, I know this one thing. God wants each of you and me to become more like Jesus Christ. Is that your goal? And have you ever stopped to consider how much or how unlike Jesus are you? 
Ephesians chapter four and verse one says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. By the way, Paul wrote that to the entire church at Ephesus. He said, you have a vocation, walk worthy of it. You say, where did that vocation come from? Well, Christ called you to it. We all have a call. And so if we're gonna take a personal inventory, we need to measure where we are with respect to where we headed, and we must make God's call on our lives our highest goal. So, so thoughtfully select biblical goals. You know, there's a lot of people have a lot, of, well, I have a goal, I wanna, I wanna get rich, or I wanna climb the corporate ladder, or I wanna become famous. And there's a lot of goals out there that, quite frankly, uh, aren't gonna matter for eternity. And so we need to take a personal inventory, first by thoughtfully selecting biblical goals, secondly, by personally fighting spiritual battles, by personally fighting spiritual battles. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Do you know how you get to the place where you say, I'm ready to die, and and, and there's a crown of righteousness for me? You're gonna have to fight some battles. I have fought a good fight. When we think about fighting a good fight, we're drawn to the definitive passage on spiritual warfare. And uh, Ephesians chapter six, if you want to, you don't have to turn with me, I'm just gonna read a few verses, but if you want to, you can turn with me to Ephesians six, verse 13, it just says, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints." You know, there's a lot of protective equipment listed there. He talks about your loins girt about with truth. We'd think of that as a belt. Your, your feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace. That would be some sort of uh, shoes that give you a solid footing. By the way, it's the gospel that is our support. And uh, you have the, the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith and uh, the breastplate of righteousness. And all of the protective equipment there described in Ephesians chapter six are necessary to fight the spiritual battle. But there are two that stick out due to their position on the list. The first is the Bible, God's word, the sword of the spirit, the Bible says. All of those uh, weapons are primarily defensive. And, And even the sword of the spirit can be defensive. But it is the one weapon we have that is offensive as well. You can fight Satan with the word of God. You, you, you can't fight them with your flesh. You're not strong enough. You'd be a fool to try. But the Bible, that's, a, that's an offensive weapon. The second that, that stands out to me is prayer because it comes after all the weapons and it's not really related to any particular uh, piece of armor. It simply says praying with all prayer and supplication. And uh, prayer is necessary to to the function of all of the other pieces of spiritual armor. And prayer and Bible study in particular are so important because those are your means of communication. That is really where uh, we we talk about relationship building. That's where the relationship is built between you and God. And uh, I would say this to you. 
uh, as we consider taking a personal inventory, we need to consider what is your relationship with Christ? Now, I didn't ask how often you come to church. You're here on a Wednesday night, and I, I know there are uh, more people that attend Sunday morning, and, and, uh, uh, and it's good that you're here, but I'm not asking you know, how often you attend the church. The, the question is, how's your relationship with Christ? Do you pray? Do you read your Bible? Do you do these things consistently? <clears throat> Don't allow others to set unreasonable goals for you. I'm not telling you how much to read, how long, how many chapters in the Bible to read every day. I'm not telling you how many minutes to pray or hours or what have you. <clears throat> what I am saying is, that prayer and Bible study are necessary to your growth in the Christian life. You need more Bible than you're going to get on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And I believe in church attendance, by the way. I don't want you to get that wrong idea. But if that's the only time you're getting the Bible, you're starving to death, spiritually speaking. And we need prayer, and we need Bible study, and we need them consistently. And if you're not doing these things on a consistent basis you will not fulfill God's call on your life. In order to take a personal inventory, you need to fight personal, spiritual battles that every Christian faces. Every Christian faces spiritual battles. And uh, the only way to fight those battles is to have the strength of Christ. And the only way to have the strength of Christ is you gotta be in your Bible and you got to be talking to God. You know that I love some of the Psalms of David because David talks about how he poured out his heart to the Lord. You know, in church, we have a sort of a formal way of praying, don't we? We pray on behalf of others, and, and we want to be perceived as, uh, as, as somewhat eloquent. We don't want to stand up there and stutter and stammer and say, now, uh, God, uh, 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 uh. And yet, I would say this to you. There are times privately when I'm praying, and you know what I say to the Lord? Uh... Uh, uh, that's okay. It's real. I think God would rather have us be real than have a canned prayer. So if you're going to take a personal inventory, you need to thoughtfully select biblical goals. You need to personally fight spiritual battles. And then lastly, you need to outwardly fulfill God's call. Again, <clears throat> looking at verse 7, we read, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And I want you to notice he says, I've finished my course. We must uh, apply our personal faith in the public arena. Your faith begins on the inside. It should not be confused with works. We don't work our way into faith. But if the seed of God's word has taken root in your heart and you've trusted Christ, then that faith grows. And what happened to you on the inside should make its way to the outside. We must apply our faith the Apostle Paul understood that he needed to live out his Christianity if he was going to fulfill God's will. Again, uh, not everyone has been called to become a pioneering missionary like Paul. In fact, I would go so far as to say there was one Apostle Paul. 
Uh, Not everyone has been called to travel the world and endure all the trouble that Paul endured, but all of us have been called to do something. We're all called to win souls. I think Brother Sousa hit that pretty good Sunday night. We're all called to work in the local church. We are all called to live a holy life. We are all called to glorify God. I think about what the angels do in heaven. The the Bible talks about in Revelation 4.11 how they fall down before the throne of Christ and say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You were created for God's pleasure. You know why a lot of people are miserable? Because they are not pleasing God with their lives. It's It's not even a thought. It's not a goal. But if you set as your goal to please the Lord with your life, and before you do something, before you say something stupid, you say, would this really, you think to yourself, would this really please the Lord? Well, we'd be miles ahead in our Christian life. The extent of dedication found in some Christians' lives is really nothing more than showing up for church on Sunday morning. And I would say to you that Christianity is a lot more than that. Church is important, but you need to take what you learn here and you need to apply it to your lives every single day. You must physically and spiritually apply the principles taught in Scripture. You know, Paul referred to the actual work that he performed as his course. And at the end of his life, he could say, I finished it. I finished my course. And, uh, you know, we see other illustrations in the Bible of running a race. And a lot of races are road courses. And at some point, you hit the finish line. And Paul did. Some Christians have not finished the first mile of their course. And others, like the Apostle Paul, are ready to cross the finish line. What are you doing publicly to demonstrate your commitment to Jesus Christ? Do people at work know you're a Christian? Do people in your neighborhood? Uh, and it's, it's important. If we're going to take a personal inventory, we must examine this important area of Christian service and works. You know, this um, 2018, I don't know about you, the older I get, the the faster the time passes, it seems. And uh, 2018 passed quickly, quickly. Uh, It doesn't seem uh, possible that, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm going to age myself just a little bit. And I'm not as old as some of you, but I'm older than a few. And uh, who here remembers the Y2K thing? Everybody's talking about, oh, you know, the computer software, it's only focused on the last two digits, not, you know, everything is going to roll from 1999 to 1900 instead of 2000, and that's going to cause all kinds of problems, and computers aren't going to be able to talk to each other, and, you know, your, your oven is going to rise up and attack the refrigerator, and everybody in your kitchen's going to die, you know, I mean, there was all kinds of things people were saying, but... It doesn't seem that long ago, but it's fast. And life is very much like that. Time passes, and we're not aware of it. And before long, life is over, and we wonder how it got away from us. Now is the time to take a personal inventory to do a little soul searching, to examine ourselves. Now is the time to reflect, to take a brief look back and ask ourselves, how have I been living? And am I ready to meet God? You know, when I was a kid growing up, uh, my, my church 
had, uh, you know, had the name of the, had t-shirts, had the name of the church on it, and right across the front it said, are you ready? I haven't seen those shirts in a long time, but I think the question still fits. We're all going to meet God someday. Are you ready? Are you on course to meet God? Thoughtfully and prayerfully consider God's will for your life. Make his call your goal. Now, a lot of people struggle with that. They go, well, I don't know what God's will for my life is. Well, then I will, let, let me, and I don't know what your ultimate goal is, but I do know this, living right is a noble goal. Pleasing God is a noble goal, and, and if you're not involved in the local church, you're, you're, you're missing it. You're not going to uh, find out God's more specific will for your life. Get involved here and serve the Lord. Consider your spiritual health and your personal relationship with Christ. Are you praying daily and are you reading your Bible daily? And how real is God to you? Is your devotional life what it ought to be? And if it's not, it can get better. God wants to have a meaningful relationship with you. Think about this verse. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Do you understand whatever distance there is in the fellowship between you and the Lord, it's not God's fault? And then when you're taking that personal inventory, consider your works. Are you outwardly serving the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, our works are not for self-glory. They're not even to please another man, but our works should be an expression of our love and devotion to the Lord. You know, there was a song we used to sing to Sunday school kids. I don't know if we sing it, anybody sings it anymore, but it used to say, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. And uh, just obedience to Christ and, and serving him. It's an expression of love. And when we engage in self-examination, often we're convicted. I know I am. And so the purpose of this message is not to lay a guilt trip on anyone. It certainly isn't to say, well, I've got it all figured out and uh, the, the rest of you uh, uh, spiritual infants need to get with it because that is anything but true. The purpose of the message is to make you think and to wake us all up to the fact that we need to be proactive in our approach to Christianity. <clears throat> so often we allow things to happen to us instead of making things happen for Christ. We need to compare where we are with where we want to be and then make the necessary changes before it's eternally too late. Every Christian must take a personal inventory of his life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray now that uh, you just take these words and uh, this time of the year and help us to consider where we are, where we're headed, and, and whether or not where we're headed and where we are are going to take us where we want to be. I pray this in Jesus' name.